things. You've come into this place, you've questioned the goodness of God. I can't tell you that the enemy will not propagate that for the entirety of human life. He's always going to be challenging the goodness of the Lord and saying, look what God did, look what God did, look what God did. Let me say to you on that same note, look what God did. And he opened that door for you. I don't know what burdens you carried in, but I assure you that the Lord has borne those burdens 2,000 years ago. Could you just lift those before the Lord right now and just let the goodness of God, just go ahead and just lift those. You can do it symbolically by lifting your hands, but lift your heart to the Lord and just let God right now just begin to begin to speak to you, begin to begin to help you right now. Father, in the name of the living God, in the name of the risen Savior, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray right now that, Lord, whatever the burdens, whatever the cares, whatever the worries, whatever the anxiety, Lord God, that is felt this hour, this moment, this very minute, I pray that the revelation that can only come by your Spirit, O oh God, the revelation that can come only by your Spirit, O oh Lord, reach down and begin to open hearts to the goodness and the mercy and the touch of your hand. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you today. In Jesus' name, praise God. Could you give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team, today. Thank you for your commitment and leading us into the presence of the Lord. Immediately after service today, those of you who are wanting to be water baptized, uh, I need you to meet with me in room 103, just off the back of the sanctuary there. Room 103, if you want to be water baptized next Sunday morning after service, please uh, please meet me, after, meet me there. Also, the empty nesters are going to be going out to the Bainey's farm. And so, uh, who are the empty nesters? the ones that don't have any chicks in their nest. So come on out. Uh, it's a great time to build a fellowship and relationship. And uh, let me encourage you, if you haven't been out to the Bainey's farm, you're, gonna, you're in for a treat. Uh, you don't have to bring anything uh, but an appetite. We're going to have a great time. And so I'm going to encourage you to come on out there. This morning, it is my, it is my honor and my, my privilege to invite my friend, uh, Jimmy White, to come. Uh, he's a doctor in theology. He works at the national office in the men's ministry. In fact, uh, we are going to have a men's breakfast on October the 17th. We're going to be launching a, a new series of study on a Wednesday night come the end of October. And the bulk of the materials that we use will be coming directly from the materials that Jimmy has either written or, or collected and has put out there for men's ministry. Uh, but I'm thankful for this man. He is so faithful. I think it's been probably two years. Uh, Jimmy sends me encouraging text messages uh, every Sunday morning, and it, it's, it's, it's always something I need. And there's times where I, I especially need something, and, and I'll get a text from Jimmy faithfully every Sunday morning, and uh, I can't tell you what that means to me. Uh, but Jimmy is an encourager. He is a, a great preacher. He's pastored in times times past, but God has called him to the national office. And I've asked him to come today uh, to give us a light for the lost presentation. He's going to challenge you. 
And I promise you, before you leave today, you're going to be stirred uh, to further the kingdom of God through Light for the Lost. Would you give Jimmy White a welcome this morning to this pulpit? Amen. Well, it's good to be back in this great church. Your pastor, you got you got some great pastors. And Andrea turned 29, was it? That, I mean, that happy birthday, right? Come on, let's let's tell her happy birthday. Wow. You know, it's been two years, and, and uh, one of the things I felt like I should do is wherever I go speak, that I just uh, I just send encouraging notes. So. There's several several pastors, but it, it's just a, a way for me to help minister to people that are out there on their front lines. You know, pastors, this, no one, I teach for Southwestern Assemblies of God University as well as an adjunct professor, and nobody, there's not a class to explain what we're going through right now. Your pastors are on the front line, and I, I tell you, this is Pastor Appreciation Month, but can we just start on this first Sunday, just show some love to Mike and Andrea and how much we appreciate them? Come on, that's right. And if you have your Bibles, will you open today to Mark chapter 6? We're going to look at verses 30 through 44. I'm so thankful that you're here today and as on Light for the Lost Sunday. You're watching online. Thank you for being a part of this service today. We're glad that you're here. My name is Jimmy, and I am from the national office. Uh, been a pastor for over 30 years, but today I'm here in a different role. So we invite you to participate with us today as you already have in worship. Give us a thumbs up, an emoji, a smiley face, a hand clap, or put in that comment section about how the God has been. It, wasn't that a powerful song? That I mean, what a great worship time. I leaned over and said to, uh, to uh, that my little four-year-old grandson, that last song that was sung, he doesn't know, he can't read. So the words are up there, and they're campus pastors in a church in northwest Arkansas. And what he hears, what he heard when they were singing that song for the first time is, all my life you have been hateful. <laughs> He's just worshiping God, you know, with his little four-year-old hand. All my life you have been hateful. My daughter said, what did you just, no, 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 it's faithful. Then she had to explain what that meant to him. Kids, we got to love our grandkids, right? That's how you know you're going into empty nest. You're at that age right there. I hope today that if you're here and you're searching for life's answers, my prayer is that you would find those answers in today's word. And our hope is that you will encounter Jesus today in a significant and personal way. As I told you, my name is Jimmy and I work in the national office. I was a pastor for over 30 years. And as Pastor Mike had shared with you, I do write men's small group material. We have almost 300 lessons now that we have written that are totally free, that are going out all over the world, literally. And I think the last count was about 32 different countries or nations around the world. And, and it's, it's just a blessing to pe for people. Also working with Acts 2 in church health and deal with help churches get healthy and working in that. I, I lead trips to the to the Holy Land. I teach for a Southwestern and Evangel. I mean, I'm just a busy guy. When you get empty nests, you got all kinds of time now. So you just do that. But one of my greatest joys is being a light, being here in a light for the lost service, sharing missions. People ask me all the time, do you ever miss being a pastor? And the greatest thing I miss 
is the mission component of not just interacting with people, but seeing God touch lives around the world. I bring you greetings from our national director, Rick Allen, who appreciates, and we all appreciate Mike. Mike leads uh, the North Texas District in Light for the Lost, and we appreciate everything that he does as he leads this great district into reaching God, the kingdom for God. You know, all my life, you know, you go down through all of this, men's discipleship director, light for the lost, Acts 2, being up. I've, got, I've had some interesting assignments in my life. I mean, I'll never forget the eighth grade when one of the interesting assignments I had was to write poetry. I mean, you know, now I'm pretty old, so, you know, guys didn't write poetry back in that day. If you did write poetry, I mean, I would just, but I'm in an English class, and one of my assignments, it was pretty interesting to write poetry. So all, all I knew was roses are red and violets are blue. <laughs> if you don't like me, what, I, I don't really know. I, I didn't do very well. <laughs> Another interesting assignment that I had was in the 10th grade in Algebra 2. Yeah, it got kind of quiet in here because, algebra, yeah, Algebra 2. You know, that was, that was it. And, and I mean, really, that, I don't know if that's an interesting, I don't know, what, I don't know if interesting is the word I should use. The 12th grade, I remember my interesting assignment for that year was just to get motivated to graduate high school. I mean, I kind of enjoyed school. I mean, I played football. I was there. My dad was in the Navy. I'm in Florida, and I'm kind of enjoying school. And so I had, my mom had to help motivate me in order to, you know, get excited about, I mean, finishing school. I've, I've had some interesting assignments. In Mark chapter 6, there's an interesting assignment that we see. It becomes clear to Jesus that the multitude had gathered and the day was coming to an end and there's no food. The people are hungry. There are 5,000 people there and Jesus looks at his disciples and said, what are we going to do? Jesus looks at them and said, there are 5,000 people that are here, 5,000. What are we going to do? And, and I just want to, you can keep your Bible open there, but I want you to look at verse number 37 in particular. When Jesus looks at them and he says, you, you, he looks at them and he says, you, you, give them something to eat. He looks at his disciples and he gives them an interesting assignment and says, you, you're the one that is going to give them something to eat. Now, the disciples didn't know how they were going to do that because there, was, there were a lot of folks there. Suddenly, a little boy appears with a basket lunch, and he has a whopping five loaves and two fishes. And they are supposed to take the five loaves and the two fishes, and you give them something to eat. I don't know about you, but that's an interesting assignment. The disciples were given the task to feed the people, and this little boy's lunch was supposed to be the answer to the dilemma that they were facing that day when Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Now, for my, in my mind, it just went from an interesting assignment to an impossible assignment. Now, I've got, I, my, my youngest son lives, he, he goes to Evangel. He lives with us in the house. He graduates this year. We have a young man that, li that, that I pastored in Texarkana that is living with us that he, he graduates this year. 
they have their girlfriends that they bring over almost every night. We're feeding them. And I can just tell you with four people, five loaves and two fish would not be enough for just four people. That I mean, our assignment goes from interesting to difficult. And if I'm those disciples looking at those five loaves and two fish, I'm thinking, I don't know how we are going to do this. Jesus, it's significant, it's clear, and it's distinct that now they have this impossible assignment. I just came by to tell you today that you too have an impossible assignment. And your impossible assignment for Crossroads is to reach out into the entire world. Just got quiet in here. (laughs) Your assignment is impossible. It's to reach out into the entire world, not just this community. Your assignment is to go beyond this community and into the entire world. What an assignment for us. We are called to reach the entire world. How could we do that? You might be here thinking, you know what, Jimmy, you came from, uh, you came from Springfield to tell me reach the whole world. There's no way I can reach the whole world. I don't have enough money to reach the whole world. I'm too young to reach the whole world. I'm a mom with small kids, and how could I possibly finish this assignment of reaching the world? I'm I'm older in years. I'm poor in health. Reaching the world, I, I was good to just get here today, much less reach the whole world. It's so interesting. It's so wonderful that we are part of a missions partnership. That's that's what we're here for. We all work together. We 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 come together. Every month, as a church, you give money in the offering. And here's your offering envelope. And in this offering envelope, you've got Speed to Light, Light for the Lost. You've got missions, world missions, local outreach. So every month, you give money to missions. You you put that in, in the bucket or in the plate. And then Crossroads Church says, you know what, we've got missionaries we support, and so we're going to take the money that you give, and, if it, and we're going to write out a check, and we're going to send that to Springfield to the missionaries so that they can live. Every missionary has to raise a budget. Springfield tells them, this is the amount that you have to raise. You can't go to the field until you raise this amount of money. So that's why they come and they itinerate. They have to raise money. And so every month you write a check, you put it in the offering. The pastor or whomever says, okay, from Crossroads Church, we're going to send the money to Springfield, which is placed in their account, and then they can stay there on the field. That's your part, a part of what you do helping reach the world. That's what you do. You help send missionaries to places that you can't go. Your missions giving is so important all year long to keep your missionaries on the field and in a strong position of ministry so that they can serve in places like Spain or serve in the the, uh, Middle East or serve in South America or wherever it is that you serve these, send these missionaries. I mean, you really have the easy job. They have the hard job. We just have to give. That's our job. Just pray and give. That's all we have to do. They have the hard job to go and then to leave everything. But once the missionaries get there, what what happens? See, the work doesn't end right there. So they have to raise monthly support. But in addition to monthly support, how many of you understand that missionaries need additional resources? 
So every time you look on this offering envelope, where do the additional resources? You see BGMC, you see Light for the Lost, you see Speed the Light. They, those are all mission entities that, that you help for them. And so today, that's what today is. It's, it's talking about one of these extra support things, that missions projects that we help to give and support our missionaries to whom every month you send dollars to in this church and then you send them on so you can put missionaries on the field. And we call this Light for the Lost. Now, Light for the Lost helps missionaries fulfill the purpose that God's called them for. Why has God called us to go into all the nation and baptize, making disciples of everyone? That's what Light for the Lost does. That is the purpose of every missionary. And so when you give to Light for the Lost, it helps missionaries fulfill the purpose of making disciples in the kingdom of God around the world. Now, lest you think that Light for the Lost was started by some preachers sitting in Springfield, let me just give you a little snapshot of this. Light for the Lost began in 1953 in, in Southern California. I mean, it, there, in Santa Ana, California, 1953, seven businessmen hear a mission service and they come to an altar on a Sunday night service and they begin to pray asking God what can they do businessmen what can seven businessmen do to reach the to reach the world for Jesus Christ Sam Cochran was at the altar praying in Santa Ana First Assembly he was crying out to God and he has a vision of hell and in that vision of hell, there is somebody that there, there are flames that are burning and somebody is, is in that flame of hell and they are crying out, screaming, give me the book, give me the book, give me the book. It shook those seven businessmen so badly that they thought, what, what can we do? How can we help millions of individuals how can we help them and, and, and help them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus until he comes back? And so they decided that the only thing they knew to do was to take up an offering. So seven businessmen in, in uh, 1953 took up $300. In 1953, that was a lot of money. If you're a teenager today, that's still a lot of money, right? I mean, that, I mean that's what they took up. And from that humble beginning in 1953, and I could go on with the story, but, but from that humble beginning, that's where mission, or that's where Light for the Lost was birthed. It was birthed to, to create literature for people to go around the world to make disciples, evangelize and make disciples of people. That's the purpose of Light for the Lost, is that we make disciples and evangelize people. So every Light for the Lost dollar that you give, that we use that in order to evangelize the lost and disciple them. That's the only purpose that we use with that money. So today, nobody knows what literature is, except some of us older people, because we had literature classes and all that, but we don't know. What, what's literature mean? So on the, on the, on the, uh, the, the screens, here, let, let me just say it this way, and I want you to just look at that. Today now, we've expanded from literature, so today, Life for the Lost provides ev evangelistic resources for missionaries and missionary partners through five different platforms, through print, through audio, through video, through internet, and through technologies. 
So today, when you, for, when you give money to Life for Lost, it's going into one of these five pockets in order to, to make sure people, to provide evangelistic resources to missionaries once they get to the field to help them fulfill their purpose that God's called them for. Now remember, in 1953, we started with 300 bucks. That's what seven businessmen. Today, in 2019, or last year, 2019, collectively, the Assemblies of God as a whole, all across America, we gave over $7.1 million to missions because people came just from churches like this and said, we're going to partner. Yeah, come on, give the Lord a great clap offering. $7.1 million because churches of 50 and 25 and 200 and 300 and 1,000 and 2,000 said, you know what, we're going to partner together and we are going to help missionaries fulfill their purpose. Well, since the inception of Life for the Lost in 1953, we have given over $340 million to Light for the Lost. Somebody ought to shout right there. I mean, amen. Now, here's the cool thing. We can report with full assurance for the first time in Light for the Lost history that every second of every day, including every holiday, somebody somewhere around the world is using, actively using a Light for the Lost resource to discover who Jesus is or is learning more about Jesus that will eternally affect their world. Now look at it. It's coming on the screen. I want you to catch this. Every second of every day, somebody somewhere is using Light for the Lost funded resources, including holidays. Wow, you know how this happens? It can only happen with people like you saying, you know what? I'm going to partner together and we're going to see God do some incredible things. And we're so honored to have you as a prayer intercessor and a, and a financial contributor and, and a lifelong partner in Light for the Lost. When I pastored in Texarkana, Texas, our people grabbed hold of the vision so much. We had people that they just loved the thought of light for the lost and helping that fund the, the evangelistic resources and discipleship resources. And so people would give $50, they'd give $75, they'd give $100. I had one year, uh, we had a $100,000 gift. We, we would have $10,000. I mean, it just the, the gamut was ranged there. And the 13 years that I pastored there, we gave over $500,000 a light for the lost. And, and we, we were a church of 300, we didn't, but they just bought into the vision of reaching people. They just bought, in, bought into the vision that if you cast your bread up on the water, it wouldn't be long. In many days, it would be coming back to us. And so that, that, that was exciting to partner with that. I'm just saying to you, you may look at your limited resource and think, oh, great, he's here for money and all this. And you may be thinking, you know what, Jimmy, I don't have, I don't have anything to give. I, I mean, whatever I give, it won't be a lot. It just won't be a lot. So, so my little gift won't, won't accomplish anything. Listen, your gift can make, it, your, your gift can make it a, a huge impact. Let me tell you this story. He's coming up on the screen, Cabo Bruno. Cabo Bruno was a, was a rough rogue police officer in Brazil. Cabo Bruno means Corporal Bruno in Portuguese. That's the name the newspaper gave him. For many years, he was sought after by the police with which he used to work as a police officer. He was going around and killing gang members and street people who had been released early from prison. It ticked him off. He didn't like it. So he was, he was, he was, he was not happy with the judicial system in Brazil. So he was going to take matters in his own hand. 
He confessed to over 100 murders. When he was finally caught, they could only find enough evidence to convict him with 50 murders. In that 50 murders in Brazil, they confined him to, or sentenced him to 128 years in solitary confinement. He's in this small cell in solitary confinement where the light bulb, there was only one light bulb and it was turned on, it was for only 10 hours a day. There was a small door at the bottom, or at the bottom of his door cell to where they would put in food and water two times a day. One day in 1992, his cell door opens and two Pentecostal women walk through his door that, that lived in that town. And they looked at him, these two Pentecostal women looked at him and said, Cabo Bruno, God has sent us to you with a message that God loves you with an everlasting love and he wants you to read his word. And so they gave him a Bible, those two Pentecostal women gave him a Bible and they, they left. Well, he had nothing to do in solitary confinement for ten, and for 10 hours a day the light bulb was on so he started reading the book. Cabo Bruno later said that the, his least favorite book in the Bible is the book of concordance. He said, I didn't understand it. It was pretty frustrating, you know, when I read that book. He was reading the book of concordance, and, and he gets so frustrated with that book that he throws it down on his bed, and out of, the, out of the back of that book that he had never noticed flies a little track that had been left there. It was a track that was called The Great Questions of Life that's been written by, in Portuguese, provided by Light for the Lost Funds that people in churches like you just said, we're going to give. That little booklet in today's economy only costs a couple of bucks to, to print. You may say, Jimmy, I don't, I'm here and I don't have, my little bit's not going to matter. But books are just a couple of bucks. And that booklet leads you down the Romans road and asks questions like, answers questions like, why am I here and is God real and how can I be saved? Cabo Bruno is reading that little tract and, and then he starts reading the scriptures that he's reading it and the light, the light clicks on for him and he gets an understanding of what salvation is and, and why he needed to be saved. So he decides in his jail cell, he cries out to God and says, God, if you can save someone like me, a murderer of over 100 people, an evil man my entire life, then please save me. His life is transformed in that prison. He begins then as, he, as, he, as he's there in that in solitary confinement to lay on the floor, open up that, window, that door in the bottom of his door cell, and he begins, to, he begins to read scripture at the top of his lungs so that the other prisoners could hear him. He begins to share his story every day. He would preach the same 25-word sermon. His 25-word sermon was, I am Cabo Bruno, a former police officer that was killing many of your friends out on the street, but Jesus has changed my life. And then he would read scripture to them. The first few weeks, people in the cell block would shout and cuss at him, and they would try to drown out the voice of Cabo Bruno. But he keeps sharing his 25-word sermon, and then he reads scripture after that. After a couple of months, the officers on the cell block noticed that there was silence when Cabo Bruno would read the Word of God. 
As the guards would silently walk the cell block while Cabo Bruno was reading the scripture, what they, the, the police officers, the, the guards began to hear, were, were men sobbing coming from the cells where the prisoners were. And the prisoners started requesting Bibles because they wanted to, to have a copy of the book that Cabo Bruno was reading to them. I mean, this was the beginning of an incredible journey of Cabo Bruno becoming a chaplain for the entire prison. He was let out of solitary confinement, given a small room that he could use in the prison cell, and over a 20-year period led hundreds of prisoners to the Lord. This is what he looks like today. He looks just like this. He was ordained. He's, an, he's a minister of the gospel right now. And it all began in a service like this where somebody heard the story of light for the lost and they said, you know what? We're going to give a couple of bucks or we're going to give whatever the, we sense the Holy Spirit saying to us. And from that, see, this goes full circle. It's not just one person doing the job. It's all of us partnering together. Somebody sitting in a service like this puts money in the offering we send this on to, then it, a track is produced, and then it gets, makes its way to Brazil where two Pentecostal layman, women were obedient to God. They walk into his cell room, give him a Bible. They're obedient to him, and today we have the story of Cabo Bruno because it, all of this begins with an act of love. Every prayer, every gift that you invest in mission is an act of love. And I just want to say thank you, Crossroads Church, for expressing your love to, peop to lost people throughout the world in Life for the Lost. Now, I can't name the name of the Muslim country publicly. But in a part of the world that you would know, there is a massive underground church planting movement taking place. In 2014, we began to get stories of churches being planted all over the Middle East. Things were taking place, we, we really couldn't believe it. And so substantive research has been done to document what I'm about to tell you. These churches were called, these house churches, it became known as upper room because, that, that, because they identified with the first couple of chapters of Acts. These leaders began to have a supernatural encounter with God and, and filled with the Holy Spirit. It's taking place, all of this is taking place without Bibles, was taking place without the presence of a missionary, without the presence. Jesus was the only evangelist that they had. Radical Muslims, they, they, they'd have a drink. This is the typical story. It may change a little, but this is the typical story. Radical Muslims will have a dream. And in that dream, Jesus the evangelist shows up. And when Jesus the evangelist shows up, here's what he says to him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true God, and you should serve me. That's the sermon that Jesus preached, that Jesus the evangelist preaches to him. We have people that we can report from Hamas, from Hezbollah, from Al-Qaeda, from ISIS. Every terrorist organization you can think of, we can confirm they're coming out who have a vision of Jesus coming to them, showing up at their, in their place, and they come to faith in him, and they're forming these churches. 
Now, you just can't go to this church like you could just come to this one and, you know, just go. You, you, they're, they're, they have four to five qualifications that I can't share with you right now because we're, we're live stream. But, but they have four to five qualifications. And they have to do these things before they can come to church. I'm not sure that church would last in America if you had to do some of those things. <laughs> Here's the cool thing is once they get up to about, the, these churches are only about four to eight in size. To, for security purposes, they're only about four to eight in size. Now, keep, put that in your brain. Because they do it for security and the ability to disciple. Here's where Light for the Lost comes in. You give money, and churches like you give money to Light for the Lost, and, and we produce materials for discipleship and, and evangelism in Arabic. And we can now disciple this. Now, as of two months ago, three months ago, now catch this. Now remember, remember, this has all started with Jesus, the evangelist, in 2014. God's showing up. God, he is moving. We have, the, the churches are only about four to eight in size. And today we can say with assurance the conservative number conservative it could be more but conservatively as of a couple of months ago we have 1.5 million converts in the middle east amen <laughs> and so we're busy producing discipleship material in arabic so they can be discipled in the kingdom one of the earliest converts was a sheikh. He was a radical Muslim in this in, in, in a community leader. He had sons in terrorist organizations, and he has a dream of Jesus one night. Jesus the evangelist shows up, and Jesus the evangelist preaches to him, I am the one true God. You need to follow me and serve me, and I will commission you to tell others about me. This sheikh, I'll call him Abdullah, had several dreams of Jesus before he finally decides, I am going to convert and follow after him. They grabbed him and beat him unconscious. When he began, he began to go to the mosque. He was preaching Jesus at the mosque, telling them about the dreams. They beat him unconscious. They would, the, they would, the family would come. They would, I mean, it's just, it was crazy. He keeps going back to the mosque, and, and he was bloodied and, and bruised from the previous day. And he would stand up in the mosque, and he would say, I forgive all of you because Jesus has come into my life, and he has given me the power to love even people who hate me. And I want everyone here to experience the same Jesus that I now understand and serve. They grab him and they take him off. They, this time, they, one time, they took off his boots. They, they took iron rods, and they began to beat the bottom of his feet. We really have the easy part. We just have to pray and give money. They have the hard part. They begin to beat the bottom of his feet, and they beat it so badly that one of his foot had, one foot had to be amputated. And the other one was run so badly that he could never walk again. They came to his house while he's in the hospital, and he's laying in a coma. While he's in the hospital, they come to his house and they rape his wife in front of his kids. And they put all of, they put all of his family under house arrest. He gets out of the hospital and he asks people to bring him to the mosque. After all of this, and he says, I want, I want to go back to the mosque. And he preaches the same message about Jesus Christ. Today, his family has been smuggled out of the country, and now they live as a, in another country as a disabled person. 
His entire family is converted to Christianity, and they're now forming these churches in countries that they've been smuggled to. And to date, we've had 32 upper room leaders that have been martyred. 1.5 million that need to be discipled. That's where Light for the Lost comes in, because when you give, when you give, it helps us to create literature in Arabic to help people like this. The next slide coming up, in just a, just a minute, we're going to watch a story. But this, this is a young lady named Beauty. This is actually an actress for Beauty, but she has the same story from Nigeria. She was rescued from human trafficking. Light for the Lost and, and Project Rescue, I mean, we partnered with, we got such a unique opportunity to reach young girls and help bring them off the streets and disciple them. And really, this video could probably tell the story better than I can. So I want you to watch the video, and then I'm going to come back and conclude this story. In 2002, I lost my freedom. I was trafficked from my home in Nigeria to Madrid, Spain. My trafficker said I had to pay a debt of 45,000 euros. They forced me to sell my body. The streets of Madrid became my prison. I was raped, beaten, humiliated every day for 11 years. But one day, Finally, light entered. I was arrested and put in a detention center. But my traffickers were coming to take me back. They would walk through the door any moment. I was terrified. But when the door opened, it was someone else. I did not know it then, but this this was my rescue day. God was going to save me. This gift helped set me free. It helped put Jesus in my life. I know you want to see it. But traffickers will see this testimony too. And if they know about it, they will make sure my rescuers cannot give such a gift to women on the streets anymore. I did not understand then, but now I know who helped make my rescue day possible. Jesus, walking through you. I never heard the names Light for the Lost or Project Rescue before, but now those names are precious to me. You brought light into my life through them. You took me out of the streets and brought me to Jesus. Thank you. When I entered the Project Rescue home, I, I was afraid and angry. I was not yet free. They told me that God would give me a new heart and help me heal. It took time, but that's exactly what happened. 
I entered this home a slave to fear. But I left it a child of God. I am surrounded by songs of deliverance. We've been Remember the gift that set me free? Light for the Lost Funds provided it so women and girls can find freedom from sexual exploitation. Thousands are being trafficked right now. They wait for their rescue day. Thank you, Light for the Lost and Project Rescue for bringing light into my world. Thank you for my freedom. asking you to put another slide of beauty up there. Let me just tell you the rest of her story. In the years since her rescue and restoration, she, she's from Nigeria. She obtained her Spanish citizenship and she decided she felt the Lord calling her to go to nursing school so she could help girls like this recover. She completed her nursing school and today she's married to an Assembly God pastor with a little baby working as a nurse to help people, all because people like you came to service and said, you know what, I'm going to give and step out in faith, and I'm going to surrender what I have, and I'm going to give to God and watch God do something powerful. Not only is that part of her life, but her family who had, uh, they actually had given her or sold her thinking under the pretense that she would be a nanny from Nigeria to Spain. She, the Lord works out a miracle, opens the door for her to share her story with her family. And a couple of years ago, we get word that her entire Muslim family from Nigeria has decided to follow Jesus, and they're attending an Assembly God church because people like you said, you know what, I'm going to give, and I'm going to step out in faith. I mean, it's a long thing. Here's, when they come out of a lifestyle like this, I mean, the bondage that they're in. You know, I, I saw where, where Andrea was teaching on spiritual authority, but, and, and we certainly believe in that, but the bondage they're in, it's a lot that they have to overcome. And so the, the physical and the mental and the spiritual stronghold, somebody needs to teach them about spiritual authority. That's where the missionaries come in. That's where we come in and partner with them. It takes a move of the Holy Spirit. I love what the director of Project Rescue says, and her quote's coming up. We can take a girl out of the brothel, but only the Holy Spirit can take the brothel out of the girl. See, when I hear stories like this, this is when I miss being a pastor the most. Because I wonder when I hear about 
Cabo Bruno and the, and the churches in, in the Middle East and stories like beauty, I wonder how much we could have given, how many lives we could have touched. Go back to Mark chapter 6, I'm about to close. But Jesus t- took a little basket lunch and he multiplied the loaves and fish and then he gave it to disciples. He had, Jesus had them sit down in companies of 50 and he, he says to the disciples, now you take them the food and you give them food to who are hungry. And after Jesus had supplied the food, the food was distributed and everybody was well fed. Listen, our missionaries that we support from North Texas District, many of them, many of them will minister to kids who will never get to go to a circus, who will never get to slurp their cereal, who will never get to buy bread or even steal bread, who will never have a clean room, who'll go to bed hungry and cry themselves to sleep, who'll never see a Christmas tree. And you and I today have an opportunity to help our missionaries get to the place that they feel called and to partner with them so that they can fulfill the purpose of discipling people for Jesus Christ. See, everybody can do something. Inside your, in your, in your um, back of your seat is a card like this. The ushers have some. If you don't have one, they'll bring it to you. There's some on the back table. And today what we're doing is, is we're just asking you to fill out a faith promise today. A faith promise is exactly that. Now, before you write down anything, now let me just explain what a faith promise is. If you can do it, it's not faith. It's not faith. It, 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 for it to be faith, you have to say, God, I, I be, I'm believing for this. Now, you have a whole year, 2021, to get all this in. So we're going to ask you to pray in just a few moments, and then there's going to be on the screen, hang on, but in just a moment, there's going to be a QR code. There's a QR code at the bottom of this, but it's a faith promise. I had a, after I was, I was in New Jersey preaching this and telling about my son, my son who was a teenager in high school, he was raising money for a car and he, get, he, he empties out his bank account to give to life, for, he just gives the money away because he believes in, and his, his mom couldn't believe I would allow him to do it. And I said, well, Nike asked for his money, why can't we? He gives all this money away because he hears a sermon like this and a story like this. I'm telling that whole story in New Jersey, and an eight-year-old girl walks up to me and her, with her mom and dad. She had been saving for, for some, some special toy, eight years old. She had $50 in her savings account, and she said, her, 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 she told me, and her, her mom and dad said, we're, we're, we're totally okay with this. She empties out her $50 bank account, her savings account, and says, I want to give to Light for the Lost. It's never about how much. It's never about, it, that's never the deal. The deal is we're going to be obedient to what we sense the Holy Spirit saying to us. If you're watching with us online, in just a few moments, we're going to throw this up there. And online, you can shoot this text and you can see this. And if it happens not to work at your house, if you'll call the church office and say, hey, we want to pledge this amount. We want to step out in faith and do this amount. Everybody can do something.
So a faith promise is just that, Lord, by faith. Now, Pastor Mike, he's not going to come hunt you down if you make a faith promise and you don't, and you, you're stepping out of faith. God, I'm believing you in 2021, this is what you, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of all this stuff, this is what I'm believing you. God, I want to help fulfill the assignment of our missionaries around the world, whether it's Brazil, like Cabo Bruno, whether it's the Middle East, like what I, the story I told, whether it's people like Beauty. I mean, wherever, how this, how Light for the Lost works is Pastor Mike is, happens to be the Light for the Lost director in, in North Texas, and so missionaries will request funds from him to do projects like what we just shared with you, and so when he has this money in the account, he can say, sure, we're going we're gonna to send that on so you can fulfill your mission. So in just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to take out your phone, if, or if you just would rather write it down, and I'm going to ask you to take that faith promise. I don't care if it's $50. I don't care if it's 1000 I don't care if it's 10000 I don't care if it's twenty. I don't care if it's 100000 Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And I'm asking you to fill this out. Your name, Pastor Mike wants your address, the city, state, email, cell number. And as the Lord enables, my faith promise is, whether it will be a monthly or a yearly commitment, and, and fill that out and turn that in. So it's there for you. If you don't have one, I think if some of the ushers could get one and hold your hand up and they'll get it to you. Or the QR code's coming up. You can do it there or you can shoot it there. It's pretty cool. You just get there and you just take your little, if you have a smart device, take your photos and just boom, doom, boom. Well, I don't want to fall. Um, I'm at an angle. Or you can shoot it down here if you'd rather do it. Now, when you open that up, it, they, it takes you to the Light for the Lost page, and it asks you to fill out your name, your address, same things, phone number, email. It's already got the district, your faith promise for the year, and then you would just click uh, personal. So, all right, and then you push submit. So, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and we need, we need, some, we need some good uh, taking up money offering, I mean music, and uh then I'm going to turn it to pastor so he can come and he can close this out. Will you take this card, everybody, just, and let's just hold it together right now. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us partner with missionaries around the world. Everybody have a card? Does anybody need a card? Anybody need a card? Come on, we take, we take money from teenagers too. Every teenager ought to have a card. Every teenager ought to be, have a card. You ought, okay. Everybody have a card? Balcony, you have a card? All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, today we're asking you to move. We can't do it by ourselves, but you've given us the assignment to reach the world and make disciples. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now to help us partner with people around the world. God, that I'm asking you to help us trust you. That God, as we make a commitment to you right now, we're believing you to fulfill the commitment that you will take our commitment and you will fulfill it right now, Lord. God, we are asking, maybe, maybe today, Lord, you're just speaking to someone to write out a check now or make that. Lord, I don't know. Maybe it's $50. Maybe it's $100. Maybe it's $5,000. Maybe it's, I don't know. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you today to help us fulfill Mark chapter 6 and reach around the world. And I'm asking you, God, to touch by your spirit and your power. 
Help us to have faith to believe for the miraculous. Help us to have faith to, to reach beyond what we can do into a realm of the supernatural that only you can do. God, I pray that you would move in a powerful way. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. So begin to fill this out or the QR code pastor is going to come and give you the instructions. Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord this morning? Amen. I hope you were stirred today. Now, if you didn't find a card in front of you and maybe you're in the balcony, you didn't receive one, you can put on an offering envelope. My pledge for 2021 is, and just put yearly or monthly, just a moment. The, uh, in fact, I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and make their way to the back. As we dismiss today, we're going to be taking up our offering. If you've got a cash offering, if you've got a check, if you want to give an offering today, just, just designate that light for the lost. You'd rather just go ahead and take care of it now. But let me tell you on a faith promise, when I started making faith promises, I asked the Lord, he told me amount to give. And I thought, you know, that's, that's more than I have in my budget, more than I'm able to do. And the Lord said, just trust me on this. And so I made that, that commitment to the Lord. And it did not come out of my regular budgetary provisions that particular year. God just added all the extra. And when I had something extra come in, I knew what it was for. I gave it to the Lord. And I started repeating that year after year after year. And the Lord has progressively begun to increase and increase and increase the amount. And every time the Lord just gives it. He just gives it in unique ways. He gives it in strange ways, but it's always the extra. It's not what I, I take out of my, my normal budgetary items. He just takes care of it. Now, you could budget it in to your, to your regular, but let me tell you what you find out is when you partner with the Lord in supernatural things, God supernaturally comes through. I'm telling you, it's not about the money. It's about the souls that you heard about today. So let me encourage you to do your part and be a part of the kingdom work because the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. He's coming soon. What we do now matters. Amen. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness and your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for this day, for this hour that you've called us. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us the privilege to be a part of the last day church. I pray, Father, your protection upon this body of believers. I pray, Father God, for our president, Lord, that you will touch him and heal him, Lord, today. I pray for those of our family members, Lord, and our church members that have been afflicted, Lord God, by this virus. I pray, God, that you would give them a, a immediate healing and a touch, Lord, that be like a switch going off in them, that they awaken, Lord God, and feel refreshed and renewed. I pray, Father, that you will protect, Lord God, this body of believers, Lord. And Father, we ask today, as we reach out, knowing that your time of your return is near, Lord, that we need to be ever so diligent, Lord, to do all we can to further your kingdom. Bless the gift and the giver. Let it go to the furtherance of your kingdom. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Uh, you can. You are dismissed. Our ushers are at the back to receive your. Put your cards. Put your cards and your offering. Your regular tithing offering. Your offering that you have. Just lay that in the plate. Uh, we appreciate you. God bless you. Those of you that are online, if you are not able to give, you can email or text us. Let us know what you want to commit to. God bless you today. Thank you for coming.
Those of you that want to be water baptized, be sure to meet me in room 103 right now. 103 right now. God bless.